versus the world productions getting our geek on 24 7 365 shut up baby i know it vtwproductions.com good afternoon casuals i am here in the exhibition hall at pax 2011 and i am with the Maste games and you are kelly heckman Okay, Kelly, and you're going to talk to me a little bit about your uh, product that you're it's, you're not demoing, you're not selling, you're actually talking about a development product, correct? Correct. This is Toolset, and we're here looking for feedback and beta testers to help us with the development of the Toolset. Okay. And what is the name of the Toolset? It's Storybricks, and the Storybricks allows players to build stories within an MMO. Alrighty, so you're going to walk me through a little demo here and talk about the character trees and other things that you've built to allow for creation. Okay, so Storybricks is, our, is a tool set that's been developed because our CEO was a, hard, is, was a hardcore WoW raider, had gone through all the classes, eaten through all the content, and when he was reviewing his life and the time that he had put into WoW, he realized that not only had he run through all the content, he'd spent months having interactions with NPCs that were virtually meaningless. So being an entrepreneur, he decided that he would put together a game development company, and the, what he asked us to do was to solve these those those two problems. The first of which is don't ever let him run out of content again and make all of his interactions with NPCs meaningful, which made us all kind of screw our head up a little bit funny. But we think we've solved those two problems. The first problem being is how do you never run out of content again? That's been attempted in the past and somewhat successfully done, but the implementation was always very poor. The way you do it is you allow players to tell stories about the worlds that they love and the worlds that they live in. Neverwinter Nights or World Toolset is a very good example, but it's very difficult. It's a scripting system, and truthfully, it makes people's heads explode because it is very, very difficult to use. City of Heroes and Star Trek Online have mission creators, which are a little bit easier to use, but they're very time-consuming, and you have to be very dedicated. And then again, you're making missions. You're not creating stories. So based upon a language out of MIT called MIT Scratch, we developed our story brick system, which works on using interlocking bricks, and it's a visual scripting system, which, think, which works a bit more along the way that people think. Um, the second problem that we needed to solve was how do you make interactive NPCs? How do you make all of your, your meaningful interactions with NPCs? The way that we decided to solve that was, first of all, we wouldn't go for the next big thing in art. We'd scale that back a little bit. And we would go with emotive AI. And what an emotive AI allows us to do is to give our NPCs wants and emotions and feelings, but more importantly, it allows us to give them relationships. And what those relationships are is they're not just between the PCs, the players, and the NPCs, but from NPC to NPC, so that your interaction with NPC B affects your relationship with NPC A. So what I'm going to show you today is a 10-week build of our Storybricks tool set. And the reason it's only a 10-week build is because it was important to us that we get this into the hands of the players as soon as possible. We didn't want to build another Aurora tool set. We didn't want to build this for eight months, put it into the hands of the players, and have them tell us that something very obvious to the players that we missed needed to be, needed to be fixed, and we couldn't do it. So now at 10 weeks, we already have people beta testing with us, and we want to get as many people involved with that as possible. So you're using sort of a crowdsourcing approach. A lot of people use beta testing and, and crowds for this, but you're also using crowdsourcing a little bit to a, a, a higher extent because you're pulling them in earlier in the process than a normal game development cycle would be? Yeah, that would be one way of thinking about it. I mean, most people would call this alpha testing, but it's more important to us that we get not just players involved in this. We went to Gen Con because we wanted to get the tabletop role players involved um, um, here at... 
packs, I've had people say, well, I'm an artist, I'm not a gamer. Artists are very important to us. It's important that we get linguists involved. It's important that we get people who from all walks of life involved because they're going to see this from a different way. And the more people involved in telling stories, because we're all storytellers, the better this tool set will be. So what I've done here is I've just brought up a generic world, a medieval world, and I've dropped three NPCs into it, a citizen, a captain, and a brigand. And I'm going to go directly to our story block system. And the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to open it up, and it says when the story starts. And I've got a scroll here, a, a, a list of various blocks that I can choose from. They're all color-coded and visually representative by shape of what they are, whether they be items, places, and scenes, or people. So I'm going to pick, uh, first I'm going to pick a citizen who I dropped in the world, and the next thing I choose is what he is or does. So I'll say that that citizen feels, and then I'll pick his emotion, and he feels friendly, and whom he feels friendly towards, the player. So in doing so, I've just put together four blocks, and those four blocks have begun our quest. You've got to think about this when you're looking at the screen, almost like you're creating sentences when you're in grade school and they do sentence trees. Um, I have a nine-year-old son. And essentially, when they walk them through this, it is exactly like this. They have the, the noun, the action, and then the objects to which that action falls. And then the more detail that you put on it. And so they're actually stacking like puzzle pieces, and they're providing action and object to the story. Correct. Um, what we've done here now is we've not only begun to tell a quest, but more importantly, we've developed our first relationship. We've decided that the citizen and the player have a relationship, and that relationship is friendly. So if, as the player, I'm on my way to meet that citizen for the first time, I determine that uh, I look down and determine that I'm hungry, decide to kill a cow to feed myself, and that cow belongs to the citizen, when I come upon that citizen for the very first time, that citizen may be no longer be friendly towards me. He may be my friend, but he may be angry. On the opposite end of the spectrum, I also put a brigand into our world. Brigands are predisposed to kill us if they can't get what they want out of force. So when I say that the brigand feels unfriendly towards the player, if I were to kill a brigand's cow, when I come up to him, he may actually chase me because he may be feeling murderous and I may have to run away. I'm going to pause for a second. Okay, so back at PAX Live. Here we go. Um, we're picking up again uh, with Namaste Games. So building quests is rather simple, and it really, at this point, just involves putting bricks together. We can build a very simple quest in about 15 bricks. But the interesting thing about building quests in our system is that you don't build a quest with the answer to how to solve the quest involved. This is no longer a kill 10 rats and bring me 10 rat tails system. It's I need 10 rat tails. How you get those 10 rat tails is completely up to you. Whether you want to kill 10 rats, buy 10 rat tails, barter for those 10 rat tails, all of those are valid ways to solve the quest. What you have to consider, however, is when you get those rat tails, what it's going to do to your relationship with the original quest giver. So at this point, what we're doing is, as I said before, we brought this to PAX early. We brought it to PAX early, looking for people to get involved with building the system with us. We want to make it usable for everybody. So if you go to our website at storybricks.com, you'll find an enrollment form where you can sign up to get our newsletter and be involved in the beta test from 10 weeks forward. It's, beta testing can be as simple as comparing images, letting us know about our UI, giving us advice on you know what emotions are most important to you in, in your storytelling system, um, You know what type of, of scenery you would use in this type of system. Um, it's, it's important to us 
us that this is a tool that is not only robust enough for us as developers to use, we can build that, but it's got to be simple enough for any type of storyteller to use. Okay, so when I'm when I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking towards the future, this would be something that, um, for example, provides an opportunity for player-to-player um, game creation and storytelling as it moves forward. Um, so, for example, now when I'm a tabletop, if I'm the dungeon master, I'm I'm light, I'm leading people through the story, and this would be an opportunity for me to do that and act as almost a dungeon master, but create an environment for my friends. Or is this something that you're thinking about purely for the developer environment to continue to be a kind of business to consumer product from a game development perspective? A little bit of both. Um, when we went to fact to, to Gen Con, one of the things that we got from the tabletop storytellers there was could they build their own modules? And absolutely, you could build your own modules in any way you want. What you don't get to do, however, is is do live events. So you would build the story bring your friends into the story, and you would play out the story. The interesting part would be actually how your players will solve the story, solve the quests that you give them, because you do have emergent behavior in the AI. We're already seeing that be emergent behavior. The, the, other, the other answer to your question is we're still game developers. Um, the one thing we didn't want to do is spend a lot of time building a game only to find out after we release that game in a few years that nobody wanted it. So we backed up and decided we would do our tools first and build those with people involved in it, and we're going to build our own game. However, we had a lot of interest in putting this in other games, moving this into education, using this for really interesting things like sports casting, um, places where we just weren't expecting. We're going to build our own game first and use this tool in our game, but once that's completed, it's really the sky's the limit because the interest is, that is just overwhelming. We've only been talking about this publicly for about six weeks now, and it, it's just, as I said, it's just absolutely overwhelming. You know, one of the things that's interesting when I look at this uh, at this um, idea that's emerging is I start thinking about the idea of an open source uh, gaming product. So we know you've got open source tools like Torque, um, and you've got other pieces. But when you think about how open source actually works as a business proposition, uh, you guys could consider yourselves in something like the Red Hat um, sort of arena where your, your tool set is amazing, you're using open source products, but then you also provide service levels to those products, which might be an interesting revenue set where you could have thousands of games that were created in addition to your original one. Yeah, and it's one of the things when we when we look at the game, um, we know that we will have something like an app store or a marketplace that's available for people who are storytellers who need to tell their stories and just haven't had a way to tell them visually. Maybe they're not writers, maybe they're not painters, maybe they're not sculptors, but they need to tell stories. And this gives them the way to tell their visual stories in 3D and then make them available to people and sell them. And if they're telling fan fiction, stories about our world, and those stories are popular enough and good enough, then we can make them an official part of our world. And those are plans that we've already been talking about and things that we expect to put into the world. And and honestly, although... I'm sorry. And although the, the, the... I've just lost my words. Okay, we can edit. I know. The word I'm looking for is... Not genre. Okay. Although the genre of the 
of the, the world that's been established already. And, it, and I, I want to call it fictional because fantasy is such a loaded word. Um, and the reason we're going there is because it's a safe place for people to go to when we've already got emergent AI, we've already got a storytelling tool set. This is something you can use in anything, something that's never been done before. And people can tell those stories that they've been waiting to tell. They can even tell them in our fictional world, in our fantastical world, you know, those stories, they don't have to have anything to do with the world itself and just make them available for their friends to play. Very, very good. Thank you so much for your time, Kelly. I really appreciate it. And if someone wants to sign up for this and check it out, it's www.storybricks.com. All right. We'll go ahead and we'll check it out. Thank you again. Versus the World Productions. Podcasts and blogs by Geeks for Geeks. www.vtwproductions.com